Good morning. It's good to see you at New Spring. For those of you, you know, I know that it's always a struggle at the 1115 service to find a seat sometimes, and then of course when the service is dismissed, you get to go out into the experience that is New Spring emptying out on the 21st Street. Um, thank you for being here. Could I just let you know, we also have two services on Saturday night, so if that ever works for your schedule, they're, they're smaller services, and it's a little easier to get in and out, out around here, and so it could be that there'll be a day that you'll say, I think I'll try that, okay? I've never worshiped on Saturday before, but it's a great experience. All four of our services are all the same, or at least the sermons are supposed to be the same, And because I know some of you ride the bus, bus four times because you never know what I'm going to say. But uh, I just want to let you know about that. It's a great, great thing for what's going on at New Spring right now. Uh, Our series is called Bless You. It's the Institute of Higher Living. And we've been trying to focus on how how we can learn what we need to know about blessing. And from the very beginning, we've discovered that blessing is a good future. In other words, God said, I've set before you blessing and cursing. Cursing is a not so good future. It's not like sticking pins in voodoo dolls' arms. It's just a future that's not a future we want. Blessing, on the other hand, is a good future. So we've been looking at what do we need to know to, to have a good future. And it's been a great series. I've learned so much. This is week four of a five-week series. For those of you who know me, you know my personality is such that usually by this point, I'm so ready for the next series because the next series, whatever it is, is the greatest series I've ever done, right? And um, and, and I always tell you, I'd pass a polygraph test because that's how I feel about it. So usually I get to the end of a series and I'm ready for that new series. But I was getting ready to leave for the five o'clock service last night and I told Mary Alice, I don't want this series to be over. I got probably 10 more weeks I could deliver. So if you've enjoyed Bless You and a lot of you let me know that you have, I want you to know we're going to reprise this next year. I don't know what we'll call it, Bless You, Grad School or something. Um, But we're going to focus on the stories of people in the Bible. We've looked at the principles this time. We're going to look at stories of people and how their lives worked out. So in 2011 sometime, we'll do a reprise to this series. But just backing up so that we'll get ready for today, we've learned several things about blessing. It is a good future, and we've also learned that well, there's a, there's, a, there's a reason behind blessing. You know, a lot of people have the idea that God just looks down on his creation and he says, I like you, I like you, I don't like you, I don't like you, and I like her and I don't like him. That's how this world treats people, right? This world likes or dislikes people oftentimes based on their beauty or their talent or whatever. And a lot of us, quite frankly, at least I'll put myself in this category, I'm never going to be one of the beautiful people. I'm never going to be one of the people this world looks at and says, movie star, rock star, famous person. I'm just very ordinary. Sometimes I feel below ordinary. But isn't it good to know that God doesn't look at you on the outside when it comes to blessing? God knows who you really are on the inside. And being blessed isn't a matter of being lucky. It's because there's something in your heart, and by your heart, I don't mean the pump that's in your chest. I'm talking about who you are on the inside. There's something about who you are on the inside that God sees And he says, I can bless her. I can pronounce a good future on her. I can pronounce a good future on him. For the last three weeks, we've seen what this all-important component is. And that is, for lack of a better term, obedience. It is respecting God's authority. Because see, that's that's the common thread throughout this whole thing. God is God over the entire universe. So he definitely has authority over my life. But he also has authority over the warehouse of good futures or the warehouse of blessings. So if I embrace his authority over my life, then I get to enjoy his authority over blessing. If I reject his authority and flip him off, 
then I don't get to enjoy God's authority over blessing. It's, it's as simple as that. So we've been watching that the last three weeks about learning how important it is to be obedient. And remember this, God said that if I would pay attention to his commands, he would command a blessing on me. In other words, he would use the same authority that he has over me to command a blessing to overtake me. We saw that from our message on Deuteronomy. And some of you guys have written me the coolest stories about what God has done to command blessing in your life. I don't want to go over an old message, but in week two, we saw that there was a kind of a, a strange little expression in the book of Psalms where the Bible talks about God commanding a blessing on us. And it was that the blessing would come from Mount Hermon. And the first time I read that, I thought, what in the world does that mean? But we learned that Mount Hermon is a tall mountain in the middle of a desert, and there's snow on top of it, so that there's a cloud on top of Mount Hermon when there's not a cloud anywhere else, that there's moisture on the slopes of Hermon when it's arid every place else. And we learned that what God is trying to get across to us is this. If God commands a blessing on your life, the circumstances around can be horrific, but God can still take care of you. And I just, I got to tell you, one of the things I love is how many of you have told me stories, especially in this economic climate that we're experiencing in Wichita, layoffs and all these problems. I've had so many of you come out of the woodwork and just say, hey, Mark, that's been true in my life. A you know, job came seeking me. I didn't even go seeking it. And, and God just, like from Mount Hermon, God put, a, God put blessing on your life in a time of difficulty. And then last week, we also understood that that it's something that's specific. In other words, God doesn't bless in generalities. He wants us to obey specifically so he can bless us specifically. In, in the message last week, where do you want it? What we learned is that if we want mercy in our lives, the way to get that is to dial it in by showing mercy to other people. Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful for they will obtain mercy. So what we saw is any place in our life where we want blessing, we just obey God in that area, and it's guaranteed. If you want blessing in your marriage, you obey God in the area of marriage, what he says. You know, you want blessing in the area of money, then you obey God in that area. You want blessing in the area of sex. I mean, I mean, hey, God's just keeping it real. Who wouldn't like to have a blessed sex life? Well, if you want blessing in the area of sex, then you obey God in the area of sex. It's just how it works. You dial it in. Where do you want it? If you want blessing in an area, just obey God in that area. And then last week, just to catch us up to where we were, we said that there's another component, and that's faith. Faith puts an exponent by your obedience. If you obey God at a time when it's difficult, if you obey God when things are not working out, you not only get blessed for obeying God, you get blessed for faith, which is what God cares about more than anything else, and then your blessings go off the chart. Now, I'm going to assume that you're ready to do those things. I'm going to assume that you want to obey God, and, and you're like me. Because, you know, having grown up in church, I thought it was a lot of do's and don'ts. Now, you're looking at all the commands of God and said, man, these things are incentives. Every time I see a command of God, this is just opportunity. And some of you went home and told your kids in Kids World last week what I said, that, you know, every time you tell them to clean their room, they should say this is an opportunity. I don't know how they responded to that, but it's all true. But let's just say you're at that point where you're saying, okay, Mark, you know what? I've kind of dropped my rebellion because I'm seeing that all of God's commands are incentives. Let's kick it up to a whole new level and, and understand the importance of prayer. In the book of James, the Bible says, we often don't have because we don't ask. So today, we're going to explore a short prayer in the Bible that is a prayer of blessing, something that you and I should know about the prayers that are in the Bible. 
they're not given to us to repeat. In other words, they're not incantations or magic formulas. Oftentimes, the prayers that are in the Bible are outlines for our praying. For instance, many of us grew up praying the Lord's Prayer. Nothing wrong with that, everything right with it. But the Lord's Prayer isn't just words to be memorized and recited. It's an outline of prayer. Maybe the best illustration I can give you is this. Suppose when you leave campus today, you go by Dylan's and, and you go into the frozen foods aisle. I, I don't know if they still have this product, but for years, you know, you could get a drink, a drink concentrate in a little, little can, all frozen. Now, would you open that can, melt the contents, and drink them as they are? No, they're meant to be mixed with water. It's a concentrate. Well, the Lord's, you know, just repeating the Lord's prayer is like drinking concentrate. It, it, it's to key our minds to important thoughts in prayer. The, the Lord's prayer is a daily prayer. The disciples want to know how to pray, and Jesus told them, pray like this, pray on these topics. For instance, there's the line in the Lord's prayer that asks to forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against God. Well, when you ask God to forgive your sins, you need to talk over the sins that you've committed. When you say that you'll forgive those who have sinned against you, it's a time for you to think about the people that have sinned against you and to offer them forgiveness. So that's what we need to understand. These are outlines for our praying. Now, today we're going to look at a little prayer, and there's been a book actually written about this prayer. Some of you may have actually read it. It sold 10 million copies. It's called The Prayer of Jabez. And we're going to look at his prayer. Now, his prayer is not just to be recited. We're going to see four important concepts that Jabez prayed. And if you've never read this book, I will tell you, I don't usually recommend books. This is a good little book to read. It's written by Bruce Wilkinson. He's a great Christian scholar. And you can get it on Amazon. We probably don't have it in our bookstore because it's, it's an older book. But it's a cool little book, Prayer of Jabez. Um, and by the way, let me just say this. We don't really know how to say his name. Some of you may have heard him called Jabez. Probably the closest we know is Jabez. But what does it matter? I, I, I learned a lesson on this one. I was doing a conference in Kissimmee, Florida, many years ago. Kissimmee is a suburb of Orlando. It's just right down the street from Disney World. And so they tell the story down there. Probably not a word of truth in it, but the Floridians tell it. They say that there was a husband and wife that were going to have a vacation, and they stayed in Kissimmee, and the husband and wife got into an argument. You ever get into an argument over something that doesn't matter and just escalates and gets worse and worse and worse? And this couple did. They got into a fight over how to pronounce the name, and the wife said it was Kissimmee, and the husband said, no, it's Kissimmee. They fought over that. They fought. It got so bitter that they were barely speaking to each other, and it came time for lunch, and they wheeled into a little you know, a little fast food place. And the guy said, tell you what, I'm going to ask somebody behind the counter what this place is called. And he said to his wife, I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to have any kind of influence on the pronunciation. We're just going to ask the person, how do you say the name of this town? So he walked in there to the place, you know, a little fast food place. There was a young girl behind the counter. And he said to her, I want you to tell me how you say the name of this place. And I want you to say it so slowly that even my wife can get it. Okay, say it slowly. What is the name of this place? She looked at him and said, Burger King. So uh, <laughs> I didn't believe that when they told me that, but they swear that happened. Let's just call him Jabez because I think that's what most people call him. All we know about Jabez is his prayer. We don't know much about his background. We know his lineage, but all we know is his prayer. And so I'd like to just do something. It's a prayer for blessing. It's a guy who's asking God to bless him. We're going to just read it and learn, for, learn from it for the next few moments. This is in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I have borne him with 
with pain. Now, just in that first sentence, I want you to focus on the word honorable. He, he was more honorable than his brethren. Just file that away. Now, verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel. That means he prayed, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And this beautiful little line, and God granted him what he requested. Now, there's something you and I need to know about Jabez before we get into what it was that he prayed for. The Bible says he was more honorable than his brethren. What does that mean? The word honor there just simply means weight. In other words, he ascribed weight to God. God was important in his life. And the reason why I bring this up is that in our 2010 America, there are a lot of us who would like to have blessing as long as we don't have to get out of our lane of life. In other words, if we can pick up some God mojo on our way to Dylan's, then that's okay. But I don't want to get out of my, out of my plan. Dog. In other words, God's just not very heavy. God's influence is somewhere in there, but it's way behind our friends and the media and the entertainment world and the sports world. God is there, but he's way in the background. Here's the point I want to raise. If that's how we're living, God's not going to respond to our prayer the way he responded to Jabez. In other words, all this thing that we've been learning about being obedient to God and respecting God's authority, that's why Jabez was able to pray the prayer that he prayed because God was heavy in Jabez's life. Okay, let's unpack the four things that he asked for. Here's number one. He asked God, bless me. I'm, this is going to freak some of you out who are church people, that are traditional church people. And I just, I'm, you're going to, honestly, if you've got, I, I, last night I said it was like church lady on, on Saturday Night Live, and I realized my audience was too young to remember church lady on Saturday Night Live. Um, but if you've got a church lady kind of person sitting around you, you may have to wind up giving them CPR after this first point. Just want to kind of let you know about that. Because a lot, a lot of people have grown up in church, and, and they don't know that it's okay to ask God to bless me. We think it's okay to pray that God bless people in third world countries, which it is. And God bless the people who are poor. That's very good. That's a wonderful prayer to pray. God bless the people I love. That's a good prayer to pray. But it's like, I would never pray God bless me because that would be a selfish prayer. Here it is. Look at the text. It says, he prayed, God, bless me. And then it says, God granted him what he requested. It is not only okay for you to ask God to bless you. God likes it. In fact, let me show you some of the people that asked God to bless them. Well, let's take Jacob in Genesis 32, verse 26. Jacob at this point is in a life-changing moment. And he's wrestling with an angel. And we know from the text that he's not just wrestling with any ordinary angel. By the way, the word angel just means messenger. So he is wrestling with a messenger from heaven. Maybe more than you want to know, he is wrestling with what we would call in theology a Christophany or a theophany. It is a visual manifestation of pre-incarnate Christ. Next month, we'll celebrate Christmas. But please know, Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem. He existed from eternity past. When God made the world in Genesis, what did he say? Let us make man in our image. The Father was talking to the Holy Spirit and the person we know is Jesus. From time to time, there were jobs so big that God wouldn't send an angel and God just showed up himself. For instance, in Daniel chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the furnace because they wouldn't bow, if you remember from the series called Stand Up Last Summer. And when they were thrown into the furnace, the king looked in and said, I don't see three, I see four. And the fourth one is very different. He looks like the son of God. He was the son of God. It was a Christophany. Jesus just showed up early. 
Several of those in the Old Testament. This is one right here. Because it was a pivotal moment in the future of the nation of Israel. And Jacob was wrestling with whether or not he was going to follow God or whether he was going to live life on his own terms. And then, of course, the Lord came and wrestled with him and wrestled all night. And, and please know, Jacob wasn't keeping him there because when the Lord got ready to leave, he just touched Jacob's thigh and Jacob couldn't walk anymore. Let me tell you the kind of wrestling that God was doing with Jacob. How many of you parents have wrestled with your three-year-old? You don't have to raise your hand. But you, dad, you've been wrestling with your three-year-old. You're wrestling in the floor. You're grunting and everything. You know you could take him. When he's five, it may be a different matter, but at three, you can take him. You know what I'm saying? You're letting him wrestle with you. Well, that's, that's what the person we will eventually know as Jesus was doing with Jacob. And, and all night long, and it got toward the morning. Now, let's pick it up right there. The man said, that'd be the, the angel, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And if you read the text, the Lord did. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Nehemiah. When the, late, this was many years later after Israel had gone into captivity, after Judah had gone into captivity, Jerusalem had been destroyed. And, and Nehemiah, who had a, he was a Jewish man who had a high position in a foreign government. He heard about the walls of Jerusalem, and he wanted to go back and do something about it and rebuild the walls. Listen to what Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah 5.19. Remember, oh my God, all that I've done for these people and bless me for it. Oh, okay, some of you are going to need CPR right there. Because Nehemiah is saying, God, you know I've tried. You know my heart. You know I've tried to do the right thing. I'm asking you, bless me for it. Did you know that was in the Bible? But if you want to hear some real chutzpah, you ought to hear what David said. King David in Psalm 119, 122. He wrote, Commit yourself to bless me. You want the translation in the Hebrew? It's guarantee it. David was saying, God, I not only want you to bless me, I want you to guarantee that you're going to bless me. So there's everything right with asking God. Uh, obviously, we want God to bless others, but there's everything right with you asking God, God, bless me. Why is it okay? Let me show you why biblically. When you ask God to bless you, what you are doing is you are articulating something God wants to hear very much. You are articulating that you know your future is in his hands. Good futures, you're, when you ask God to bless you, remember blessing means good futures. What you're saying is, God, I, I, I recognize the fact that good futures belong to you. They don't belong to my boss. They don't belong to my friends. They don't belong to the enemies that I kiss up to in hopes that they'll somehow promote me. I recognize the fact that good futures are in your hands, and I'm looking for you to bless me. God loves it when we see him as the source. The second thing I notice about asking God, all the people who ask God to bless them, they left it open-ended. They recognized that blessing was something that God determined. They weren't saying, God, give me a Cadillac or a Mercedes or give me a home in Palm Springs. They were saying, God, I just want you to bless me. There is a universe of difference between praying for God to bless you and saying what the prodigal son said to his father. Do you remember the, the guy Jesus told about in Luke 15? I mean, this guy flipped his dad off, maybe not physically, but mentally every day. He was rebellious. He didn't respect his father's authority. He wanted to get away as far as he could. Do you remember what he said to his dad? By the way, the prodigal son represents the rebellious person. The father there represents God. 
He said, give me what I have coming. There is a universal difference between asking God to bless you and to give you what you have coming. Because see, here's the deal. A lot of us who are Christians, we use the words bless me, but we really are saying, give me what I have coming. But there's nothing wrong with you just saying, God, I want you to bless me. And Jabez didn't just stop with asking God to bless him. He said, would you bless me indeed? Now, if you read this in Hebrew, it's kind of interesting because it just, is, it just repeats the word bless. In effect, he was saying, God, I want you to bless, bless me. Hebrew word is the name of our, first name of our president, Barak. And he is saying, God, I want you to just bless, bless me. But it's like putting five exclamation points beside blessing. That's the way it is in their language. God, bless me with an exponent. Now, the next thing he prays is, God, would you enlarge my borders or enlarge my territory? What he is asking God for here is he is asking God for more opportunity. And for all of us who are God followers, I think instantly we we would resonate with that and say, here is a man who is a God follower who wants to do God's work. And what he's asking for is he is asking for God to give him more opportunity to do his work. And yeah, I think that's the case. Now, let me tell you something today. If you are in God's will, what you do for a living, what you're doing is, much, is as much ministry as what I'm doing. I remember many years ago when I first came to Wichita, I had a funeral service and I was riding in the coach with the owner of the funeral home. And he's a godly man. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. He's a very godly man. And I used to ride in the front seat. I don't do this anymore. I used to have this saying that I picked up from old preachers about marriage. I'd say, for better or worse, till you ride in a hearse. Somewhere else would say, you can't say that because you ride in hearses all the time. But, you know, I never know how to make small talk with a funeral director. I'm kind of quirky anyway, and it kind of makes me laugh just thinking about it. And because you ask him, how's business? Dead. I mean, you know. <laughs> how, do you, how do you make small talk with a funeral director? So I, I learned this sort of little question that I would ask him. And I always ask him, how did you get in the funeral business? Because I, I used to hear a lot of funny stories about that. And so I asked this guy, how did you get in the funeral business? He was driving his hearse with one hand, and he swung on me, and he pointed his finger in my face with the other hand. And he said... Mark, I believe God called me to do what I do as much as you believe God called you to do what you do. And he was right. If you are in God's will, you are doing what God calls you to do. If you're an educator and God called you to be an educator, you're as much in the ministry as I am. If you're in law enforcement, I mean, even the Bible says, if you're in law enforcement, you're a minister of God. If you're an attorney and God has called you to be an attorney, you're in the ministry. If you're a physician and God's called you to be a physician, you're in the ministry. If you're a plumber and God's called you to be a plumber, you're in the ministry. If you're a homemaker, God called you to be a homemaker, you're in the ministry. Here's what I draw from what Jabez was praying. It is perfectly okay with God if you ask God to give you more opportunity in what you do in order that you can give God glory. If you own a business, See, I think God is into growth. You read the New Testament, God is not a communist. God God is into things growing. And and there's nothing wrong with you saying, God, grow my business. Bring more opportunity to me. I mean, you may be an attorney and you may be a partner, but you're saying, well, I'd love to have my own firm so that I can, you know, accept the kinds of cases that I want to accept, that I believe would, you know, bring God glory. There's nothing wrong with asking God for that. You may be a physician. You would say, I would love to have my own group so that we could do... Something that I believe in. 
I mean, you can just extrapolate this out however you want to. All that God is teaching us here is that if you are doing what God called you to do, there is everything right with you saying, God, let it grow. Let it grow. Give me more opportunities. I've lived this. You know, I was up at the balcony at the 930 service and watching everything going on, and I thought, man, I can remember a day when we would have 350, 400 people here at the old location. And I watched God just continue to grow us and grow us and grow us. And it's phenomenal. I mean, when God gives you opportunity, when God places opportunity before you, it's a sign of blessing. And Jabez said, God, please enlarge my territory. Now, when that happens, you're going to need to pray the third thing that Jabez prayed. Because he said, God, would you let your hand be with me? See, I think at first he said, God, would you bless me? And then when God blessed him, he saw that there was more territory. And so he said, would you give me more territory? And then when God gave him more territory, he quickly realized he was in over his head. I don't want to offend you today. I love you too much for that. I want you to be blessed too much. I, I would never deliberately offend you. But could I just say this? If what you're doing in your life right now as a God follower, if there's not some sort of impossible quotient to it, I'm not sure you're fully yet embraced God's, you're fully yet embracing God's will. Because I believe that when you start following God, there's always going to be some aspect that's impossible. You know, I've told you this through the years. I always tell Mary Alice, when I die, I know what I want on my tombstone. Just put my name and put, once again, he's in over his head because I have spent my whole life in over my head. Following God will keep you in over your head. What's important about that? Because it will keep you praying what Jabez prayed. Oh, God, that your hand might be with me. The hand of God is not some part of his anatomy. God is a spirit. It's a, it's a metaphor for God's power. In other words, it's like, God, I don't have enough juice. I don't have enough strength to do this. You've, you've given me enlarged opportunities. It's, I'm in over my head. Now, God, you got to come, and your power's got to be here. I'm just going to give you a few verses from Ezra and Nehemiah that talk about the hand of God. Listen to the different nuances here. In Ezra 7, 6, it said the king had granted him everything he asked for the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. In other words, God gave Nehemiah favor with someone who was empowered in his life. That was a sign of God's hand being on him. Excuse me, Ezra. In Ezra 7, verse 28, because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage. And that's like Ezra saying, I can get up in the morning and face the day because God's hand is on me. In Ezra 8.31, the hand of our God was on us. He protected us from enemies and bandits along the way. And now Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17, Nehemiah's trying to inspire people. He told them about the, quote, gracious hand of my God upon me. And what the king had said to me, they replied, let us start rebuilding. Here's the thing. If God's hand is on you, you're going to be able to accomplish things that no one can understand, and you're actually going to be able to inspire other people to great things because they'll know, look, what this guy, what this gal is able to accomplish is bigger than any human being, and they will see your God and give him glory. And the fourth thing that Jabez asked for is kind of interesting, and I think it'll resonate with at least some of us. He said, God, keep me from pain. Can I ask you a question today, and please don't raise your hand on this. How many of you grew up in an environment that wasn't so good? And maybe there was a long pattern of that behavior in your family, where generation after generation, 
they had anger issues. Or generation after generation, there were commitment issues or substance abuse or other kinds of abuse. And somewhere back along the line, you said to yourself, I don't want this in my life. It may have been in my dad's life, in my grandfather's life, in my great-grandfather's life, but I don't want it in my life. I don't want this in my family. And you have become a cycle breaker. Or you're at that place where you're saying, I don't want this in my life. But I'm guessing that if any of you ever say, you know, if you ever deal with something that big and that generational and that much of a negative legacy, you're going to say, God, I don't want this in my life, but because it's affected previous generations, if it's not going to be there, you've got to step in and help me break this cycle. And you know what? Please don't raise your hand, but I'm wondering, am I talking to anybody out there? Because if I am, you know exactly what Jabez was asking for. <laughs> when Jabez was born, his mom named him the pain causer. How would you like to have that for your name? The one who causes pain. You go to school on first day, teacher says, what's your name? I'm the one who causes pain. <laughs> go to apply for a job, what's your name? I'm the one who causes pain. Well, thank you for telling me up front. I don't know. I mean, we get to heaven, I'll find out I'm wrong, maybe. But I get the feeling this has been Jabez's culture. I mean, this, Jabez was born in a climate of pain. The Bible says he's more honorable than his brothers, which may mean that there was a family issue. There was a family problem. And some of you grew up with people telling you that you would just, you can say, you know what? I'm not going to be a substance abuser. Well, just Wait. I'm not going to be a person with anger issues. You just wait. And when you were growing up, you were told you're just going to be like everybody else. You're going to be like everybody in your family. Maybe people pronounced your future in this kind of way. <laughs> I remember when Mary Alice was carrying Jared. My middle son is named Jared Michael. But that wasn't going to be his name when we were carrying him. Because I love the name James Caleb, and Mary Alice and I both kind of agreed, that'd be cool. You know, James is the brother of Jesus. Caleb was that great Old Testament character of great faith, and James Caleb. And by the way, if your name is James Caleb, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. In fact, you just may want to put your fingers in your ears for a few moments. Or you may like the name. Anyway, uh, all I know is Mary Alice was at work one day, many years ago, and she had the little book that has the meanings of names. And she called me and said, do you know what we're about to call this kid? She said, James is a derivative of Jacob. It means tricky. And Caleb means dog. She said, we're about to call this boy Tricky Dog. <laughs> Listen, a lot of us grew up in environments where we were told we would never be a success. I got a great friend who's one of the top professionals in our region. And I'll tell you, he's still motivated to this day. And I mean, he is a brilliant, brilliant man and just great at what he does. I don't know of anybody better. But to this day, he's still motivated by the fact that his dad told him when he was growing up that he would never amount to anything. And Jabez was saying, God, I don't want what people have told me about myself to be true. And I think here's specifically what he was asking for. He was saying, God, I know you're going to bring blessings in my front door. I don't want to lose them out the back door. God, would you keep me from the pain that I grew up in?
I don't want to live under the prophecy that people have made. From, I wish I knew how to preach. I do not want to live under the prophecy that people have made about me. God, I won't stop until I live with the prophecy that you make about me. And I believe you're the God of good futures. And I don't care if I'm called pain. I want the future that you have for me. And the Bible says God gave him what he asked for. I've prayed this prayer or a facsimile of it every day for years. And it's not important because it's Jabez. We don't even know how to say his name. And it's certainly not some formula that we're, incantation that we're saying. It's just that God responds to these things. If, if God is heavy, if God is important to you, then you have every reason to pray this prayer. God, bless me. And don't just bless me a little bit. Bless me a lot. Bless me. God, give me opportunities. I was designed for more than this. I want more. See, God doesn't have any issue with that. In fact, he wants you to pray that way. God, expand my territory. And oh God, it ain't going to work unless I've got your hand, your power in my life. And God, please, don't let me lose out the back door what you bring in the front. And the Bible says God hears that prayer. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we've learned today. And I pray that you will hear our prayers and do that in, in our lives, that you'll bless us indeed. Father, would you enlarge our territory? And please keep your hand on us, for there's danger everywhere. And there are those, Father, even in the spiritual realm that would like to take the blessings away from us, Satan and his group. So God, we pray that you would keep us from pain. Please hear our prayer, Father. Our, our marriages need your blessing. Our kids need your blessing. We need your blessing in the employment world, career world. Please bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.